Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... Four uh, overviews of areas of mathematics. So I'm not going to actually try and, uh, in your head, construct mathematics in your head. I'm just going to give an overview of them. And uh, there are four areas which are sort of new, and we'll have to go and look at them. And it's more of a signpost to say, oh, this is where I'm looking at. And I know everybody else is, at this point, I'm at this new sort of point. So the four areas, uh, the first area is um, the maths of fembots. Sounds something like that, but it's an area uh, I would like to call synthetic intelligence. You've got artificial intelligence, you've got raw intelligence, and you have this sort of other area where you can actually represent a computer program in a, a graphical, con, um, concise, dynamic way uh, and watch things. It's sort of like peeling over, over a computer program where it looks like a human brain almost. That's synthetic intelligence. Something developed, by the way, uh, incidentally, in the construction of robot, robot, robotic brains achieve this amazing thing. Uh, the uh, second one is uh, the fusion of a new type of maths and English, uh, an incredibly powerful way to make maths as an aid to thinking and living rather than a, a tool, it's actually an aid. Go across there. Uh, the third area is quantum mechanics and again I'm not going to to um, give a big overview and uh, profoundity, I'm just going to just dive in and actually just have a, a l real little look at, uh, say, the crossroads between um, the life, uh, non-quantum mechanical life, and the quantum mechanics, which we're obviously using our mobile phones, telecommunications, lasers, and stuff like that. So it's sort of like, like we've got a fusion of two civilizations going on top of each other. This is the um, more barbaric. Uh, uh, civilization. That's um, I like this thing of uh, people who are classical mechanics people as sort of savage, <laughs> savages, and uh, people with quantum mechanics are the sophisticated people who are, you know, who uh, have the Vikings arrive every once in a while and raid them and, and cause havoc and run away with the jewels and uh, they, they sort of I, th I think um, people have a sort of a conquest view of science that. Um, rather than an investment view. They don't invest in science, they see it as a, an area of conquest. And uh, you, you, know, you consider see quantum physicists as a, one of those monks, Christian monks, and you go in there berserk and slay them and take the chalice and, and you go home and have a big drinking party while the quantum physicist is lying on the floor bleeding a pool of blood. Uh, that's the third area. The fourth area, I know that sounds crazy, and we'll explain a bit more about it. fourth area is the uh, use of um, subtle, um, old, old maths, simplex algebra, Bayesian theory, and the idea of uh, how do you deal with more than one answer, uh, and uh, the application of that. So th those are the four areas again. I'll just go through it again, just so I can test my memory. Uh, the uh, first one's the fembot, synthetic intelligence, uh, fused maths and English, 
uh, quantum physics, which is sort of a new area of maths which we don't fully understand. <laughs> I'm just going to have to have to apologize. I'll give a, a bit of background because if you hear some sound, whatever the sounds are <laughs> coming from next door. Uh, and the uh, fourth one is the idea of um, a more uh, the idea that maths can give you an insight into the world. Uh, sort of manage your lack of understanding of the world rather than profoundly, profoundity or lack of knowledge is something to fear and run away from maths allows you to hold back and and infer what the sounds in the jungle mean rather than being terrified being able to listen to the drum beats out there the drum beats of nature so those are things there now uh, I am uh, I can see a bit of a bit of mist coming up so there oh it must be a uh, this person must have a, a sprinkler next door. So let's give you a little bit of context. Uh, I'm um, giving a podcast in the back of the garden and uh, the people next door are making all sorts of noises and they've just, I think you can just hear they've just put on a sprinkler, which is great. In Australia, sprinklers were banned for a while when there was intense drought and now... <coughs> We've had intense rain and our dams are 100% full and overflowing and people are in flood watch and it's uh, do your duty by um, uh, putting on sprinklers and of course the gardens and everything uh, are great and uh, people are coming and saying, oh what have you done to the garden? And well, what it's done is it's just rained and it's sort of we've sort of let the garden go to the extremes we get a real sense of Australia in our gardens for that. Okay, so uh, I'm obviously doing a podcast in a garden. Let's summarise again. There's four maths um, discussions rather than explanations, discussions to come up. Uh, and I'm doing a podcast. And I haven't done podcasts for a while, say about three weeks it must have been, uh, three weeks. Uh, and... You sort of say, oh, why is that and what's happening? Well, the, the reason for doing podcasts is for cognitive development in terms of I've had a brain trauma, uh, insult, whatever it is, um, damage, and the result has been uh, poor communication. I have, um, I almost call it verbal spaghetti, verbal, some people call it verbal salad, I call it verbal, just get all the ingredients out of the pantry, just put it in a, in a pot, heat it, add ice cubes, just do anything, add all the sauces and you've just got this mess of communication where your brain is weaving through, pulling out statements at random and uh, causing people to cower and run away, except a few neurologists who can pick you up like that and... Uh, Podcasting has been a way to actually focus on topic and talk about a topic. Uh, not, not, not the first point of call that neurologists would say. They'd say, get into a social situation, get into a work situation, family situation, and that pulling back into context all the time will restructure your brain. Unfortunately, I haven't had that. Uh, I've had the uh, uh, the work and family and stuff. They've had their own trauma. And they're dealing with it, and part of the trauma is this uh, in this disposable age of put you out in the trash a bit. Not quite. It sounds it sounds the most 
but you, you do get sidelined a bit because there's things to get done. And you've got to, you've got to, we've got a team. We've got to efficiently uh, the um, operational needs. I think it was called. I didn't uh, work. I didn't meet operational needs. That bit. Um, and then I had to do podcasting. And then podcasting wasn't that easy because you've got to produce a podcast, build up the skills for podcast, all these other factors. And I suppose from um, training and research, you often start in a laboratory and you, know, you just got things in packets and Allen keys and instructions to do a laser. And then in six months frame time, you, you've got to produce world-class results. And, yeah, how do you do it? You, you sit there and a lot of it is just with a, a box cutter opening up boxes, screws and things like that and switching things on it doesn't work and then you go down and buy chemicals well, hopefully you don't famously I had this laser that I was looking at and I couldn't work out why the, why it was just coming up with gum <laughs> it would operate for a while and it would be this gum shit on the inside of these dye tubes was that the uh, person who was supplying the uh, the chemicals would go and buy them from the hardware store. <laughs> of course, for some reason, people 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 don't use reagent grade chemicals to clean their house. They, uh, but you do need it to try and relax. But that's that's an example. You, you start, and it goes for a long while. So for me, I had to build up the skills and build up the computer programming, build up the process, uh, and, and possibly lose concern about how I was doing all that type of stuff uh, to go across so there's that type of stuff and also neurologically um, we, we do know from the brain that you need some rest and so I, I think stopping for a while allows me to rest uh, and re-come up uh, up with that okay so we'll go across now we have uh, the, the sort of biggest broadest picture um, so we've got the topic area and we have these research insights. Now what happens generally is when you do write a PhD, you've got your topic area, you really look at it, you understand it, and then you have to lead people in through this research, you have to lead people in to where you've seen here. And you, it's not necessarily a great idea, but to see that next step you're taking, you've got to actually guide people and I'm going to have to guide you in, in this case. So we've got four research areas and the first thing that strikes you I suppose is that oh, these are not everyday things. This is not everyday maths I use when I go down to the shop and buy some sweets or some flour or you buy things online. It's, they're not the over, the, it's not the maths I use when I open up a bill, a paper bill or look at the electronic bill sign up a sign, it's all maths and all some transactional maths that's where you all save a certain amount of money this, this is not that maths uh, and therefore I have this instinctive thing to question it because it's, it's new and um, I just so happen to be reading about <laughs> this is sort of your uh, intelligence so it doesn't have an advantage of having this stroke stuff because you, you do your brain if you're smart not that I'm smart, but you're reading all these things, you get the spaghetti, and you can pick these random things up. So this is sort of a random story. Um, so we're dealing a game, so 
again, this is the cognitive trying to build across from the scientist. So there has always been a big gap between a academic scientist and your everyday bloke. Your everyday bloke comes in, or person comes in, and it's within it. They're operating within a 20, 20 minute time zone, which is good because you can you can always add the next 20 minutes and you can just have a full on day just bothering around whereas your scientists are a bit, bit more complex uh, and so there's always been that communication area you add the stroke stuff and I'm just trying to get back so the aim is that we want to get to these four areas of four topic areas uh, of maths to describe and we've got this uh, starting point here that uh, a bit of um, suspicion and I want to go back to um, uh, the Romans, <laughs> the Romans and the barbarians coming in and um, the, the sort of nature of a civilization is to have a sort of bias for things within the civilization and just trying to work out how things operate outside the civilization is just so hard and that allows you to exploit you know th that ability to have a, a local bias for things and a non-local bias against things that keeps you nice and local and I think humans have developed this um, in in strange sort of different ways so I'm going to go across across this topic area I hope you're with me um, so um, let us say between the a, someone who's an animal activist and a butcher and they have come into these different areas and we have eventually we have as part of our survival we have to have this way of swapping we can either love animals and use it part of our culture and our totem and 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 use the way animals used as our connection our eyes into the environment we can we can watch the 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 ants suddenly scurry away and say oh it's going to flood you or i can see an eagle circling and i can say oh well, there'll be prey underneath them and um and where that eagle is circling that allows me to go out and find a, a little you know, a bandicoot or whatever it is the australians used to do now it's now it's to to knock off a few rabbits <laughs> And things. Oh, so. Well, that, that's the case in point. So, um, your um, sort of relationship with nature has to be sort of dichotomous because you've, you've got to work with it and exploit it. So you've got to work with cultures and, uh, when it comes to the crunch, exploit it. So we we have this natural thing that if it's not us, if it's not us, I'm the barbarians coming through. And uh, what are the Romans doing? You know, I just just slaughter them. Or the Romans can see these people. What are these people doing? They really don't understand us, but they're living rude. And so I can give them land because they can just have it in the paddocks because you know, the, the the two things don't cross. And and you, the at a certain point you have to go into conflict. Uh, and people, a lot of people sort things out with conflict. But when you really come to think of it, um, sorting things out with high explosives and getting your entire economy to just 
you know, two economies to gear up and produce high explosives and to blow the stuffings out of each other. It, it, it sort of makes sense. It makes sense in that paradigm, but it doesn't make sense in the larger paradigm. So essentially, say, in the Eastern Front, you had an 18-year-old German versus an 18-year-old um, uh, Russian person from Mongolia fighting each other. The two people were dressed in a uniform. They obviously had not understood their philosophy. You know, obviously an 18-year-old has not really thought very deeply about philosophy, made commitments, analysed what's right and wrong, and is, you can't say that that person is standing for that point of view sufficient to shoot them. However, if they're shooting you, you, you sort, of, sort, of, sort of go, so we have this conflict view. And uh, uh, things, so quite often you have people, when they hear a new area of mathematics uh, or something like that, they will go very aggressive against it. And you can see that they also go very aggressive against other groups, people that have a natural way they operate of being very aggressive against something. And or, and they have this area of um, way of thinking, uh, very much quoted, yeah, if this worked, you'd be famous. And you say, well, do I have an option of showing you work on a piece of paper or a piece of equipment, showing it your work? Uh, can, can I show you the evidence for it? No. And, and I think this is very much the way that people think in terms of that if they actually did look for the evidence and think through, they wouldn't go to war. They wouldn't do a whole lot of things. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing. So, um, this irrational behaviour, irrational behaviour has built huge civilizations. It's built churches, but it's also built armies, civilizations. It's essentially irrational behaviour mixed in and harvesting the rational behaviour that works together as a system. And, and as a scientist, you go back and you say, oh, it's sort of like you're a ballistic scientist at a crime scene. You, you go in and you say, well, the bullet came from there, and you have to give some information which is robust to what every other situation goes across. But people involved in the crime scene really get involved. They say, he did it. It hurt him and, and stuff like that. All, all the, the sort of like two different areas and so the the victims or the, the police in the crime scene will ask a different question they'll say if what you're saying is true that, that there's that bias to tend to say you'd be famous that's the reason so i can dismiss it so as a scientist you accept that and you can say accept it well at the end of that all this crazy thing is giving me money to live <laughs> you know and it's necessary, but they only draw in science so much as it's really necessary at the last moment. They won't draw in scientists to say, perhaps we shouldn't sell a gun, perhaps we shouldn't do this. Or eventually, so we do this through a very complicated method, but eventually it comes. It may take, say in Australia, um, a, a series of things before we say, we're not having guns. You know, no, one, no one has guns. You, unless you're a gun shooter and then we think you're a criminal anyway, most of the time the assumption is you're a criminal. If you've got a gun, you're a criminal. And unless you've got all this, this process, processes going across. So it's not that 
you think you can think something is right, and then you can see that society is going to get there eventually. And so this is uh, sort of the view with these four maths area that society will get there eventually. Now I do I do have a story about society getting there eventually and maths um, to, to lead into this and sort of sort of profoundity profoundity uh, there to. And, and there's probably a little bit of theory area which I've talked about before we, we should, uh, go into. So the story is uh, my father, and who's the first computer scientist in Australia, and uh, as as they do research, they uncover more and more things where he was just the first to do things, like the first person to produce computer music, compose computer music, think of computer music. All that type of area, but there's a whole series of areas that they're going across, and they're saying the question that they're asking is: at the time, you can hear these beautiful birds, absolutely beautiful birds, flying across the garden. It's, if I can say, from this position, I have some beautiful birds flying across the garden, but also these insane big rubber bath ducks sitting up there. So it's this sort of, sort of slightly insane, same place. So, um, just getting back back to this uh, this theory, um, this thing. I'll just give my father's story, and um, the idea is that people are questioning about, oh, how come he came across? What was that environment which the ideas didn't get through? How come he's produced all this? Is all right, but the environment at the time didn't recognise it, didn't exploit it. And um, I, I can say uh, there's a certain peacefulness to realise that that happens. But I, I do want to do it. So um, he, very early on, when people were, would only listen to music, right, knew about the maths of music, the maths of beats, how you write it down, the way that music, symbolic music was a mathematical equation, mathematical representation of the music and frequencies and stuff like that. And he, with the first computer in Australia, the fourth computer in the world, um, produced, um, which, uh, the purists say it wasn't computer music, it was more MIDI. <laughs> you know, there's purists going there, and that's why it sounded awful. And... Um, uh, there was a scene where the word got out, um, big electronic brain, I don't think they used the word computer way back in 1948, 49, and the girls at local college sort of knock, knock, hee, 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 you know, that, that sort of um, group came down and saw Jeff Hill and listened to his computer music and just to see whether it was any good, and they thought it was awful. And they ran away. Ah, 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 it's no good. And uh, to a certain extent, um, the, the person, Jeff, Jeff Hill, developing it, didn't worry him. They still produced it. It was something that could go in a very low level. And the um, civilization at the time quite rightly said, yeah, that sounds awful. It's quite an objective thing. There was no understanding ahead. And then... Of course, many years after, people do PhDs and 
on this, uh, you know, so it's someone's, someone's shed work, someone does a PhD on, uh, and indeed this is the birth of community music and had has led to all, all these things. And so this is fairly similar to these areas of maths, this, if you'd like. This is listening to this early computer music and going, it's rubbish. Oh, well, you know, he'd be famous. If he, if he was actually the inventor of computer music, he'd be famous. Of course, people at the, at the time, time can't, uh, can't do it. Um, so let's stop at this point in time and actually start to add a bit of bit of complex analysis conceptual maths into this area so let's let's against pull back again you've got the story that everyone understands you've got the stroke stroke um, recipe the stroke recipe of, of spaghetti eggs offal <laughs> and chocolate sauce all mixed in a stove and added together all coming across and that is so cognitive stuff of of calming calm, brain calm basically you don't go brain damage you just brain calm I think might, might be the story so you've got, you've got those uh, things coming in uh, but and nonetheless there is this again high level mathematics which people um, equate with you know, they don't understand it so if you say Zinky crash landed on the sofa, and on some whole series of non sequiturs, which they always have sort of a meaning underneath it when people really think. You, know, you add random noise to people, people will always always pick it out. Um, you, it sounds like if you say high level mathematics, and you say, well, "What is an actual fact?" It's not like this. It's like this. So, so if you said very small down very small things don't physically rotate in space, they only have a complex number for rotation. They will just go, well, you, you idiot. Or if you say, oh, look, um, our universe is not one universe, but it's two universes superimposed on each other, spin up, spin down, universe, and the angular, and you just go on and you say that, you know, small things when you rotate, you have, it's 720 degrees rotation symmetry. They just think it's the same stroke, stroke recipe thing. However, all that is true, uh, and what they do believe is is incorrect, and you, you can't go that next step with it. And um, there's this sort of very calmness. If you were, it's sort of this paradox if that if you were a um, powerful. Um, top CEO who could just humiliate people and, and walk in there and take command of the room, you, you're not having the, the same sort of gentleness to stop saying, oh, I'm not that smart, I don't understand it, I know what I'll do, I'll, I'll study. <laughs> you know, that, that's not the sort of person who you want running a company, you want to say, oh, I don't know whether, whether manufacturing you know, armaments is, is all that ethical. I don't, you don't want that person there. You don't want the, you want the person who can act as sort of the level of intelligence of these artificial people you build. So essentially, a company is an artificial person. It's got an artificial head, artificial brain, artificial sales department, all these things. And 
we can keep it up and on life support we can keep it it's these things where we can feed it it it, it, it requires capital capital investment and a good story it's got, got to physically tell its story it's a beautiful a beautiful model so uh, coming back let's uh, talk about um, three levels of um, of meaning so obviously uh, the uh, people going into the computer lab in 1949 and hearing community music uh, it meant one thing to one person another thing to the other group and yet another thing to us now we're looking in we can see another meaning, meaning to it and of course this is the process here these four areas they've got a meaning to me a different meaning to people coming across and in future it will have a, a profound meaning to the lack of um, things so uh, just, uh, the lack of connection between the importance of the maths how it's perceived at the moment and the importance of the maths leading future leading, leading forward so um, there's um, a um, three words and they're not mathematically linked in terms of Venn diagrams and stuff they're, they're just sort of positions around the same object sort of ways you can view the same objects and that's uh, meaning significance and importance uh, okay so um, if I just for instance I've got a car which doesn't start and I turn the engine and it doesn't turn over and I check the battery um, uh, and the battery has got a low voltage so that that sort of the basic data has, has a meaning so the voltage means the battery is dead the uh, car not turning and stuff like that but then you can have a whole series of significance now I'll just go through the scientific significance you've got a numerical significance evidential significance uh, and uh, social significance so numerical significance is that if you uh, you would check your voltmeter to make sure uh, thing the evidential significance is um, this is evidence of the significance of it. and social significance might be um, the fact that uh, you've got um, a bride and you want to get the car to her to it. so in certain sense certain, certain, it's huge significance or someone's going to give birth and your car's not working uh, so it's significance there now uh, the, the the other um, point of view the other term and they're not as I say um, logically you can't write them up on an equation and stuff like that is the idea of importance um, so importance is a bit, bit more personalized so that's highly important to the bride who's, who's, who's trying to get to the church um, you know, it's, you know, this is you know it's, uh, I have a story of why I'm like it's highly important to it it's not so important to the um, caterer who's just 
munching through the food and stuff like that. It's so the the um, so you you've got um, the meaning, significance, and then how that significance plays out your importance. So um, uh, a lot of these things. So if you go way right back to the 1949 computer lab, um, it. Um, it People were operating on, is it important to me? And other people were operating, is it significant? Like, this has got some significance, I can see through it. So the the um, the broader, so things have a different broadness. So if something's important, you tend to cut down to what's the significance thing, to, to focus on the key significance. So something has more significance than the other, and so the other significances drop as much and your ability to problem solve when you're talking in um, importance drops down but your ability to um, convert a problem into action is very high in that importance area. Significance is something that uh, you really have to, is that next level of uh, processing you have to do from importance, sorry, in, uh, from meaning such that you can actually do the next process in science. So in science uh, it's very much um, don't believe what people say. We've just got a pool of knowledge and we're testing we're just putting it in, in we, th we can throw in that pool a hypothesis and then we fish it out again and we just test if it's not true. And so these are things which we have this big black pool of things. We're not quite sure what's in there, but we know that uh, we have a whole lot of people working out to test it and they throw out things which aren't there. So they, they test the meaning. And so in terms of linking meanings across, you, significance is that, that glue, that meaning glue which goes across, whereas importance is that next next level up. So that's, that's a... Uh, a sort of overview as to to why someone is doing a podcast about these four areas of mathematics, uh, and uh, you know how come he's doing a podcast about this, and how come uh, uh, so and so hasn't found it's important and significant. Uh, but I can I can tell you it it is significant from you understanding the meaning. So once you understand the meaning you understand significance whereas people can just understand the importance without understanding anything underneath there so it's th th those two two levels and uh, yeah that, that's one explanation there's the barbarian versus roman explanation this is for your civilization to survive you have to have this bias for things that i know are okay things i don't know i'm just going to put a, a much higher standard across there. If someone comes to the door dressed funnily, I'm just going to, I'm not going to be biased against them. I'm not going to be obviously biased, but I'm going to, I perhaps won't donate to someone who's nude, <laughs> nude in front of, me, in front of me, turning up, oh, I'm collecting for charity, <laughs> the, for, um, for people who don't have enough clothes, <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't know, that, that type of stuff. Okay, so we're going to, to the first, first one. Uh, the first one is, um, the fembots. So I have a uh, documentary um, produced 
getting on 20 years ago, it's uh, a long time ago, and I produced robots which could solve problems, talk to, physically talk to each other, and um, uh, the, they were operating on something called synthetic intelligence, and that is, uh, I, I had a, a way of looking at a situation and looking at all the complexities and alternatives of a situation and writing it down mathematically and uh, live testing the robots would do it and I could see what was going on and how could this be. So I had basically uh, a screen with what I sensed, what I thought and what I do. It's, it's, it's sort of so I sense something, I decide something based on on fairly complex hierarchy sequence, uh, a way of thinking something, want to do all on one screen. So you can imagine, like, all your thinking is in your head, all this thinking is there in front of you, not thousands of pages, stuff like that. And on this one screen, how do you get this complexity? How do you actually get things down? And it goes to a little bit about the, uh, considering all things at once, uh, and, uh, that is to convert, um, I don't know, people tend to, if they want to build a house or an idea, they um, line up all the bricks one after the other so they can walk them in one at a time and they construct, can construct it sententially. So if I have an idea I want to get to you, I've got to put it in sentences, you know, verb, object, subject, you know, that complexity and then build the image. I've got to build the image inside your head, this idea of building images. And uh, I have the sentence structure and maths has a sentence structure associated with it. And this is what people can't really see. So people have seen computer programming in computers and stuff like that, not how they write things down. So we come down to uh, the fact that um, uh, people are very much aware that a a number four represents, you know, one, two, three, four, four objects and, and stuff like that. Uh, and they they um, are aware that 44 is a four and a four, and that there's a, actually, they're so well trained that they don't understand that there's spatial, there's a spatial computation associated with it. So, so if I put a dot between those uh, 44, that those same symbols would, would go down to 4.4, be a lot less. You know, if, if you said I'm going to pay you $4.40 for your uh, day's work, you know, you, that meal, rather than $44, it's going to be very much different. Or if I just raise one of the fours up, the second four up, it gets four to the fourth. And then now so it's less confusing, I, I can shrink the size of that. Or if I put a, um, a four and move it a plus and put a plus sign, that plus sign now has energy fields or process fields saying that spatially I have to actually put the four down equal to the plus and four and that four thing will then generate another field outside it which can have an operator or result symbol. So I can four plus four minus one or equals and what's the equal thing it says it tells you computationally to process that thing puts an equal now that 
force area, force field. This is the Matsis Fembot. I'm just describing it to you. And just to stop you again, if it all worked, you'd be famous. Well, it all has worked, and I've built a robot factory about it. And the people didn't think I was famous, didn't think it was good, but um, that's happened before in history. There's been heaps of times in history where something is right, it's got significance, it's got meaning, but it hasn't got importance, and it hasn't, you know, the people at the time, just civilization just didn't pick it up. So we're going across. So we've got this idea that we have a way of our actual expression, like my sentence is a program. When I speak to you, I'm all the time giving you program instructions to construct something in your imagination. I'm actually, I'm like a, a USB cable to you. I'm just going across and I'm feeding it in serial, sort of serial sentence after sentence, building it up, building up a register, giving you an idea. Put that register up there. Here's a bit more information. Here's a bit more information. I'm going to build a link, soften a link between there create a protocol for you to go. So, so speaking is a computer language and also actually writing them down. If I write down symbols, it's just the computer hasn't worked yet. Uh, but the idea of writing down symbols in a sentence structure, it's sort of like we write maths as we would speak it. So I can actually read you a page of mathematics. I can actually, if you know, enough, I could actually read it. It's just it's a mathematical contraction. It's mathematical English. So English has got this way of uh, communicating to one individual, and the individual has a processor inside it, and they decide to do th something with it. So it's it, it's it's a um, it's a um, it's a bus language. It's a bus protocol. English and also maths is a bus protocol. It's not a computational protocol. It, a computational protocol is a bit more like a matrix. A matrix can, can, uh, is a strip of numbers and there's a process and you can, you can lump a matrix around within a core of a computer. So there's, there's different, different things. There's, there's the matrix idea of using of matrices in computers is different. So, can I um, actually convert um, a, um, a, a convert the, the power fields around symbols like a plus, um, uh, such that? Um, uh, now I, I can't really imagine it at the moment. So you're going to have to have to, you know have a bit of license here. Can I change the power fields around it such that it's no longer a linear strip but it's more like a tile? So this is like I want my bathroom floor and uh, rather than just a corking gun in the parking wall I have actually tiles and I can tile it together. So you can actually convert a, um, a number, a, a, an operator such that it's no longer like a chain operator, it's a tile operator. So it has a field. So rather than a, a box field around it, it's in a triangle field. And the triangle field has around it has uh, or three surfaces: one off to the left, one above, and 
now one below, not across. And this means that you can um, have uh, an input, um, an operator, um, and above it, another, another input, two inputs, operator, and it goes to just beneath it. And this forms a tessellation. So you can actually tessellate your operators. And once you tessellate your operators, you can build it into sort of a cross between a matrix and um, writing things out. And um, I, there's a limit to how much I can describe it. So what you can do is you can have your inputs and then you can write all your operators down in, in your in what looks like a matrix, but the matrix is not your classic matrix with a box. It's a matrix with a, a, a triangle. So you use triangles inside the matrix rather than boxes. And what happens is that the information flows in, there's much sensors flows in and flows through operators. And you can see every operation. And you can have operations to say, drop down three column three three rows you can you can start to thread across but the, the beautiful thing is that you can actually have it colored so you can have a sensor information come in a different color and then it can have a sequence then at the end uh, once some of the operations are do this do that so the so it winds up in in do operators so it has a, has a consequence now um, I know this sounds, so this is the logic of it. So the logic is moving the power field around the operator. So this is not mathematics. It's just the way you think about mathematics allows you to do it. And the result of that is these fembots that can do this. And it's got a whole lot of applications um, in terms of um, creating Basically, you don't want an AI to operate your house. You want really uh, to understand and see the brain and actually set things and adjust it. And you really want synthetic. Uh, so you want artificial intelligence in the core, but you want artificial intelligence setting up uh, behavior. It, like if you've got two. If you've got too much artificial intelligence, you're going to have an unstable system. You do need these synthetic intelligence nodes at the end. So it does have an operational need for it. So that's an area of mathematics, just a paintbrush. That is just changing the way that your plus sign is. So of a, uh, uh, it's very crudely, it's one plus, but above the plus you have a one, okay, and then uh, uh, that generates a two, you don't have an equal sign, a two which goes beneath the plus. Now, if that two is, so if that's one plus two, that two has got, it sits above a minus symbol and there's a, a one to the minus one, that's uh, one minus two, Beneath it will be minus one. Go across. Now that what means is that that's okay. But then, so you've got this beautiful column of things. But then off to the right, there you go. We're in Australia. Uh, cockatoos going through. Uh, 
Now off to the right, the next, the next column, the next column down is the next set of operators. So it sweeps down the column and then moves to the next column. And then you've got new sets of operators and it goes through and you can color things and operate things and produce pages and pages of algebra and if-then and things into one beautiful thing. And you can see it sweep through in simultaneous, and it's a sort of simultaneous parallel thing. You go across now. Uh, you can say, um, what's the significance of it? Well, significant, I can see the significance of it. Your understanding determines the significance of it. The meaning of it is observable. Uh, it doesn't have importance, sort of social importance at the moment, but um, the sort of the barbarian versus the Roman, you'd be famous, you know, you'd be the chief. Uh, of our tribe, if this was is there, it doesn't doesn't pass uh, pass that test, and yeah, that's it, it's it's there, and uh, there's a documentary, and I built robots for it. That's the first one. Sorry for taking so long. We're going into the second second point. And this is 48 minutes. There you go. Um, we're going into the second uh, piece of maths, and this is the fusion of maths and English. Now, um, there is, a, again, uh, like rethinking about how the actual fundamental maths operates. You can create a number, which I call corrugated number, uh, and this is subscript, superscript, subscript, superscript, forevermore, and that number, uh, gives you uh, sort of like an index for how you got to the particular sentence you've got to. And um, so the idea is, the fundamental idea is that any thought or process is a, is a sequence of either instructions or questions and answers. And uh, essentially you can uh, ask lots of questions and get lots of answers to it and you, you, almost, you can capture it all as long as you can index it. And this is okay, so I have an index of questions and answers about the topic and so for a particular topic I can create a huge amount of information about it and just just tag what the questions and answers are. Because However, the, the, this maths has the beauty that you can actually um, process that question and answer. So you can put that question and answer index in front of anything, like you can say red might be the question and answer. Um, there may be the next question, is it red, does it mean that there's been a murder? But if you, if you actually put that in a full context, you know, what is the stain, it's red, does it mean there's been all these questions that you can go through. Now, um, as similar with the fembots, there's a mathematical um, manipulation, which is not is not it is trivial. You can add up all the positive, uh, all the subscripts, and uh, to a number, maybe thirty six. That you you've answered a total of thirty, ranked thirty six, uh, and all the questions and that number, so your number represents, can be processed to produce a non-unique 
um, Cartesian point in question answer space. And um, you can, um, again, this is overview, you can actually produce this to produce a what looks like a crystal um, that can be read, as long as you understand it, you can read it, and you zigzag across and you can get a full story for going in. And this maps to various various things it, it maps, so you can ask questions and answer them, and then press a button and it will print out the whole contract. Or you can ask a question and the answer can be a conditional answer. And so it can tag that conditional answer so that when you proceed and that conditional answer turns out to be false, you can then alert all your thinking dependent on that across. And uh, you can automate this into using robotics um, into a app production engine. Uh, and uh, so that's the, the meaning of it. And I and some uh, add developing the meaning to significance, uh, but it's not judged as important. But similarly to producing the documentary, I've produced the um, these this web engine and web pages. And now going back into the cognitive stuff, so it's up there and it's enormously significant even though it's significant, but not from a barbarian point of view important, because if it worked, and it does, you'd be famous. Um, yeah, or, you know, can't I just accept that everyone else has just got their own mathematics? Yep, I can, but it, uh, it, it doesn't go there. So it's, so it's actually produced, and I think it's pretty inevitable in time. It will be a highly significant um, discovery to put across. So that's the second area. Now, the third area uh, is quantum mechanics. And um, uh, what is the... I've sort of asked myself, what is the quietest and most gentle way of getting into quantum, quantum mechanics? And one is to say that um, I have an, an egg on the table and I want to draw a graphical representation of that egg. And that is, uh, I put the egg at, in, at the edge of a ruler, so in the middle of a meter long ruler. And if I put my finger down at um, uh, 10 centimeters, at zero centimeters and 10 centimeters and 30 centimeters and um, 60 centimeters all the way up to 100, I will get, is there an egg? I will just write down on the graph zero egg. But if I put my finger down at 50, not too hard, I don't want to break it, at 53, so that's the beginning, 53 and 50 um, and 47, put my finger down there, I'll see, I'll plot say just to make it simple one egg there's one egg you know, egg counting and so I will get a representation of an egg and I can draw a graph of it and uh, one would say that if I get an ostrich egg it will be bigger and a quail egg it will be smaller and if I really really shrink it down to the size of an electron I could actually launch my um, finger 
pinned onto an egg, but you can't break an electron. And an egg is held together by forces within it. So an electron, if it was made out of electrically repulsive minus charges, it would blow apart. That's the first thing. But also um, the idea that that we, we can't can't do it. And so initially we had these a whole series of problems. We faced this problem that if we just said that an electron was a small egg and plot it as a little top hat function, no matter how small, you'd wind up into these eventual problems. One is that um, it would blow apart. You just get that you just really can't put even smallish negative charges together. And also, um, there's such thing as the electric field actually stores energy. So, if I have a, you know, an example of that is a taser has electric field stored in it, and that comes out as energy. You, you definitely feel it. And so, for an electron, if the electron has had the energy stored in it compared to the rest of the universe, it would it has a taser energy. If you had, if you really had an electron as they thought was in the school books, it would have enough energy to blow up the universe. Because it's just the way it is. So we've got this, uh, this problem. Now, uh, rather than a top hat, it's a beautiful um, a top hat function. It's a, a beautiful, um, what, would you, what would you call a, uh, we call it a beach hat. A, um, oh, I forgot what we call, we call the hats. So oh, there you go, memories. So we've got, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful, soft, um, soft function. And if the electron was the size of an egg, you can indeed make it the size of an egg. There's nothing, in fact, there's nothing to stop you making it the size of an egg. All you have to do is freeze it. You cool the electron down, it actually grows in size. However, this is a free electron. Um, so if I put my finger down um, at, 50, it would say, yeah, about, say, 10% of the electron. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, let's go out, it's a bit soft. I'll put it down at 60. Oh, it's a big electron. But I could put my finger down no matter how far out. I would still say there's an electron. And that's what we found. That's what quantum mechanics is saying, that uh, uh, these things are actual waves, uh, and they're not actual eggs. They're not particles, they're, they are waves and we can go uh, go through it. It doesn't have an inside. An egg has got an inside and an outside. An electron doesn't. It's it's got and it, it doesn't have a boundary. It doesn't stop stop anywhere. It's a, a bit uh, a bit uh, uh, in, inconvenient. So it's that area. Now the other aspect is that an electron doesn't have parts like an egg has an eggshell and a yolk and a blah 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 and because of that you can beef it up and form an omelette or whatever it is you can you can do things you can fry you can't fry an electron an electron is just because you can't do anything to it we now know that it's got no parts now if it's got no parts it's got no way of doing something so an electron has got an electric field it, you know charge but it's got no way of making, having composing the charge. The electron, and this is, uh, what, so this is where school is, 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 you know, 
really hurting its gut. An electron has a magnetic field. An electron is got a magnetic field, but it doesn't have any parts for its charge to stick. It's not the charge is not 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 spinning around. Well, it, it's not spinning around in our dimensions. Okay, in our three dimensions is another dimension. It could be spinning around in. Well, it's spinning around in the hidden dimension. Okay, so we're automatically going, it's beginning to ask these questions, but it does not have any parts, so it's got no circuitry, it can't do it. It's got the fundamental property of it. Now, this is the profound thing in that uh, science is avowed, don't, don't use the M word, magic. It is, in fact, magical. It is pure magic and you have to accept it. So quantum mechanics has a magic aspect of it. It's, it's if you would say people who've got magic, they magically infer, if it's magic there must be a magician, there must be God. We can't say that's, that's without the insight into deeper mathematics, that's probably a legitimate thing to say. Uh, and that's a very gentle, gentle way to say it. And for that very brief description of the introduction to quantum mechanics, uh, people don't avoid it because they've got the barbarian significance, importance, all this complexity going on. And that's just the wrong way to approach science, unfortunately. This barbarian, a barbarian with the sort of big, big moustache and horned, well, with, you know, the, the the helmet with the horns out, all that, that beautiful, beautiful type of stuff, which probably didn't, obviously didn't happen. But that sort of person is not going to be able to sit into a Roman library, you know, just torture the light. And there's, there's these things going on, civilization things, um, cultural things, uh, important things going on, which affects their thinking and it affects their thinking very well because they form armies and they create havoc and they uh, muster the children, they go to the village and raid the children and get them, it's a bit like kind of the barbarian type of thing, we, we grab the children, we, we rile the force back, grab your children, you've got to go to school, we've got to teach you, teach you this. That's all very good but it doesn't actually get you to the profundity that the Merlin's magic is not in Merlin, it's actually in the mathematics to go across. So it's the quantum mechanics is there. So we've got uh, three areas of maths. One is the uh, tiling of numbers, the uh, putting a directory number in terms of numbers, and if you set the right thing, it's this magic goes. Then you've got quantum mechanics. Now, quantum mechanics, do we have any example of it? Well, your mobile phone is an example of extreme, ultra quantum mechanics all working. There's just so much quantum mechanics in it. Um, so, uh, if you in the classical era, you had you know the telephone exchange with you dial someone up, and they they physically get a wire and, and put it through, and it's got a lot of energy and story to it. So you've got the quantum mechanics. The third area, and uh, I can't go into it too deeply. Uh, this is to do with um, what do you do when you don't know anything now. Uh, you don't know sufficient information. And mathematicians have actually looked at this and they've come up with several things. One is Bayesian statistics. Um, 
and that's probability theory and how you map probability and how you um, do a proper situation order. So if you have certain situations you don't account for, uh, you, you can't properly get a probability or know the certainty of your number. So there's probability and there's sort of the accuracy of that probability. So this is the entire thing with, um, say, racing. People put out their, the odds and people judge the accuracy of those odds, you know, their, their perception to, to, um, to go in. Uh, however, if you um, know, if you don't, if you haven't considered certain factors, i.e. that the age of horses and that horses all have got heart disease and will drop dead if they've been pushed too hard or frightened or there'd be all these other factors. And if you don't know that, you don't put in, you're not going to get a good probability. So if you suddenly, if you react to a complex situation of stop analysing, ask an expert, you, you, you met, you're, you're not going to be able to, you're going to put yourself really dependent on the expert. The expert's going to have to try and explain to you spend all their energy saying to someone who's essentially brain dead on the aspect. Now there's also things of uh, some of the information you come has certain reliability. It, there is a suggestion that the number of guests is greater than five um, here or here's from another data source um, that the maximum capacity which can for a party is 50. And I'm trying to talk about this area called Simplex Algebra. And it was actually developed during World War II uh, prior to computers. Uh, and it's just this glimmer of saying, how are we going to work things out without computers? Because this is actually rather important because computers are a black box and people have to either believe them or not. However, there was this brief window during World War II where you had all this information and people had algebra and they would create a solution space and they would draw lines um, across the graph and create a volume in space which the solution could be and looked at where that solution could go in that volume towards simplex algebra. Uh, and um, so that could that can guide you as to what hypotheses are important and if so a lot of people who aren't trained in that will if they automatically go I'm not going to mathematically process it, I'm going to stop and go to an expert they can't take a hypothesis and say oh, well if this goes wrong can we fix it this, this process going on. Uh, now this actually links back to the, um, the numbered tiled thing, because that, that the previous previous one. But this is, is sort of a way to go in across. And then eventually to say, and after, after all that, then what, what model should I, mathematical model should I have for something? I can't actually go through the, the enormous personal significance of all this, but um, and you model it and you uh, go along and 
you, it's one of these things where as you go along, you can get information which reveals or confirms the model. So you, you have to really watch it and confirm the model. And so you're out by yourself um, doing this modeling with simplex algebra uh, and um, looking across and you're trying to do that and then you do have the, the oh, if you use it, Who's the, who's the authority, stuff like that. And you, you obviously, you can't say, or they're not the authority, I just simply don't have the capacity to talk with them and do it. And you have to factor that into your models as well. Um, so it's, it's a sort of a complex, complex thing. So they're, they're the um, um, four areas. I just want to, to, to wind back and cover these points again. So there's a propensity for groups of people, even well-meaning groups, in uh, uh, when they're providing your civilization environment for you to, to structure, to actually cast out things which don't fit in to create this. So they will question, cast, cast these things out. So there's that, that uh, barbarian Roman civilization thing come across and you could, oh, okay I may have to stop now um, we'll just uh, quickly go go over I don't know whether I've been called uh, just you've got the importance uh, sorry the uh, meaning significance importance aspect of it to try and analyze things and then you've got your four areas areas of maths I'm gonna have to stop now thanks a lot for listening another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.